Good morning, happy Sunday everybody. This is Amy and welcome back to the LBC podcast. This is week four, our final week of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. If you're listening live on Sunday morning, don't forget that after the podcast we have worship and we also have communion. So if you have some time, make sure you get your elements together for communion after the service. Without any further ado, here we are. This is week four of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. Our Bible reading today comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter four and verses one to 16. That's in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter four, verses one to 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at the first two parts of our three-step process in developing emotionally healthy spirituality. We've gone back and looked at the past, the things that have shaped us, the things that are good and healthy, and the things that we may need to move away from. We've looked at the ways in which we need to grow and move forward, the things that we need to move towards the rewriting of a better story for our lives. This week, we look at the third and very important part of who we run with, who is in our lives and shaping us. So why can't we stay at home and manage this transformation on our own? Why can't we simply live our faith out by ourselves? 
Do we really need the church? Just as we are not formed in isolation, we cannot be transformed in isolation either. We've always been shaped by others. We will always be shaped by others. And so we need to take a look at who is forming and shaping us as we grow. Let us make them in our image. God himself is relational by his very nature. He created us as a reflection of that nature. We're made in the image of God. God is relational and therefore so are we. We need community for worship, fellowship, discipleship and service. It has never been part of God's plan that we live this out on our own. As a consequence of the fall, these relationships were broken and discord separated man from God and man from one another. But when we enter into the faith, we are brought together under God and the outworking of that faith means seeking unity. God's intention is that our faith brings us together and regenerates the unity that was intended from the very beginning. And God enables us to find that unity by the work of his spirit. We'll circle back to look more at this next week when we explore the events of Pentecost. But thinking back to the passage we covered at the very beginning of the series, we're encouraged to pursue righteousness, faith, love and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We reflected on the need to be intentional about the people we choose to run with. So we need to seek unity with those who also love the Lord, which means we need to find them and be in relationship with them. That's why we have the church. There are three types of relationship that we each need, and we need them within the context of the church. One, we need relationships with those who are going ahead of us. Two, we need relationships with those who are going through it alongside us. And three, we need relationships with those who are being raised up after us. Let's go back and consider Paul's view of us being spiritual infants. What do infants need to help them grow and learn? Parents. We need literal and spiritual parents. People who will nurture and protect us from the earliest and most vulnerable stages of our life. As we continue to grow, we need a wider network of teachers and mentors to help us learn and guide us on the right track. That's why Christ has gifted people for the strengthening and building up of the church. We need leaders. We need leaders to help lead and guide the church as a community. But each of us also need leaders in our own lives. We need the wisdom of those who've experienced more of life than we have, who've been on their walk with the Lord longer than we have, who have greater knowledge and understanding of the scripture than we have. Most importantly, we need those who are emotionally and spiritually mature because they have the capacity to hold space for our learning and our mistakes without it being detrimental to their own walk with God. Imagine a parent asking a child to take responsibility for washing the dishes for the first time. As they watch, they notice that the water's not quite warm enough. 
they notice that there's a little too much soap being used. They notice that as the plates go in the drying rack, some of them are still dirty. Being the adult, they have the capacity to help the child complete the task to the best of their current ability, without depending on them to do it perfectly. They have the capacity to acknowledge the child's learning process, to know what's worth correcting and what's worth letting go. They have the wisdom to congratulate the child on a great first attempt to encourage them to try it again. The child needs that safe relationship so they can practice and fail and practice again until they no longer require full supervision or immediate correction. The parent does not fully depend on the child for this task to be perfectly completed. Likewise, in our spiritual lives, we need those with the maturity and the capacity to hold space for us as we learn. We need those who understand when our interpretation of scripture may come from a place of limited experience and who can with wisdom choose when to clearly and formally correct us and when to gently and informally give us additional insight. We need people who see our gifts and create manageable experiences for us to test and try them without us bearing the full burden of the consequences should it all go wrong. We need leaders who can observe each stage of our faith development and give us the relief of their assurance that our struggles are an expected part of the journey. Emotionally healthy spirituality recognises our own limits and appreciates the experience and the wisdom of others. For our own growth towards spiritual maturity, we need those who can teach us, lead us, admonish us, love us, strengthen and equip us. Of course, we always listen to and test what we're presented with. We do not have to accept everything that's offered. But we should all be willing to be in relationships with those who can watch over us and lead us with a wider perspective than our own. We need relationships with mature Christians, those who are going ahead of us on the journey. We also need those who are running with us. We need people who are on a similar road, learning the lessons alongside us. We need people who can grow as we are growing. Our lives don't have to be identical. We don't need to have the same background or even be the same age, but we do need relationships that are mutually beneficial because of our shared experiences. This is why there are so many ministry groups designed to bring people together based on age, gender or life experience. If we are a brand new Christian, it's really helpful to be in a Bible study with other new Christians so that teaching can be tailored to our current level of understanding and experience. It could be difficult and discouraging if we were the only new Christian at a Bible study full of well-versed, mature Christians. If we're in the process of recovering from an addiction and trying to live out our faith in a new way, it can be lonely to be surrounded by Christians who've never known this struggle. And it can be beneficial to know others who can understand and be honest about the realities of this journey. For young students embarking on our new lives at college or university, it can be helpful to be in fellowship with others who are also exploring this new level of freedom and responsibility. 
It could be lonely or challenging to sift through the endless possibilities of our next chapter. If we're only among people in their 40s who've been settled in the routine of employment and raising a family, we need some common experiences and friendships where we're growing and learning together. However, we also need people whose experiences are different so that as we learn and grow, we can be informed by one another to expand our understanding. Proverbs 27 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. As a single person, it's helpful for me to be friends with married couples so that I can better understand some of the joys and challenges that come with navigating life and faith together. As a white, Scottish-born person, it's helpful for me to have friends who have lived in different countries and different cultures to make me aware of some of my natural biases and give me perspective on my experience of the world. Equally, in these relationships, we get to invest in others. We get to pray for them, serve them, inform their perspective and be their safe place as they practice living out faith in the context of community. These mutual relationships, whether they are because of similar experience or different experience, these are the relationships in which we get to practice and get better at the whole messy endeavour of love. We need mutually beneficial relationships within the church that enable us to grow together from both shared experiences and different walks of life. These relationships require vulnerability. These are the relationships where we need to allow ourselves to be known on a deeper level and make it safe for others to be known. The more closely we walk with others, the more they will get to know the true us. If we're doing this in a way that is humble, loving, gentle and working towards unity, the vulnerability required has great reward. Emotionally unhealthy spirituality will resist or even refuse to engage in these relationships. It resists engaging in relationships that may require any level of vulnerability, keeping things at a surface level for self-protection, and avoid those whose perspective makes them question their own. Emotionally healthy spirituality allows us to walk through the messy process of learning to love and be loved in relationships where we allow ourselves to be known and shaped by others at a deeper level. So we need relationships with those who've gone before us and prepare us for what's to come. We need mutual relationships with those who are learning and growing alongside us. And finally, we need relationships where we are serving, building up and leading others who begin their journey of faith after us. Just as we need others to lead, guide and help us rewrite our story, we have a role in doing the same for others. We've each been commissioned to make disciples. That's introducing others to Jesus, Matthew 28 19. This is the whole cycle of discipleship. Jesus did not simply disciple the twelve, that they would be a closed group of loyal followers. He trained them and sent them out to proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, drive out demons and feed the hungry. We see this in Luke 9. This too is the calling of each Christian. It's the calling of the church. 
We need to be in relationships where we are serving others, both within the church and outside of it. We do not come to church just to learn, grow and become great Christians who stay within our own group. We come to worship together, to learn together, to grow together in order that we then go out and serve others, sharing the good news of Jesus and raising up the next generation. We should each have people who are younger in their faith that we are investing in and holding space for their learning in the context of a safe relationship with us. It's not a linear process where first we learn from others, then we work in peer groups, and then we're qualified to go out unsupervised. Each of these three types of relationships are interwoven and at work throughout our whole lives. We should always be in relationship with someone ahead of us, someone beside us, and someone behind us. In different seasons and different contexts, it's natural to prioritise one over the others. There will be a natural push and pull between them, but all three should be at work in some way for our whole lives. Now, each of us has been given gifts from God. God asks that we do not squander these gifts or bury them, but put them to use. We see this in the parable of talents in Matthew 25. We've each been given gifting to live out our calling, but none of us is sufficiently equipped to do this on our own. We alone cannot be an evangelist, a teacher, a shepherd, a prophet and an apostle. There's a reason the gifts are distributed among us, because God intends for us to work together and be stronger together than on our own. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, But all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong in the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body 
every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Every picture we're given of the church emphasises that no one of us is equipped to run this race on our own. We need one another and God has designed us this way. You have been commissioned to make disciples. You have been called to serve the church. And you have been given gifts to use for the common good. To operate these on your own is to dismiss the very purpose for which they've been given to you and will ultimately be an insufficient way for you to serve. Likewise, the church is lacking without you when you don't contribute your part. God distributes the gifts among us and by his spirit enables each one of us to work together. By our very nature, we need one another to do what Christ calls us to do. Every endeavour for the kingdom of God is carried out in the context of relationships. And the more able and equipped we are for developing healthy, safe relationships, the more God can do in and through us, both individually and together. Relationships are not optional, but their quality is conditional. That's why emotionally healthy spirituality is essential. We are in relationships whether we like it or not. It is up to us how good and beneficial those relationships are. Their quality is dependent on the willingness of each one of us to be listening, growing and learning in love. That's my hope and prayer for our church. Through this course, that speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him that is Christ growing and building up one another in love as each part does its work. May we become the body that Christ calls us to be. that is the end of our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. I hope it's been helpful to you and I hope that as we move forward together we'll each come with a sense of self-awareness and the ability to love one another well. To finish out here are some questions for us to reflect on through the week. Who are you learning from? 
Who are you allowing to lead you? And who are the mentors and leaders who make it safe for you to grow and learn? Who are you learning with? Who is sharing the journey with you, giving mutual encouragement, accountability and support? Who are you discipling? Who do you have the opportunity to love and serve as they grow in their walk with Jesus? That is all for me today, friends. I hope you found this helpful. Don't forget to stick around for some more worship and a time of communion together. And then we'll say the grace, keeping us united as we speak these words of blessing over one another. As always, stay home and stay safe.